Little Leaders, Visionary Women Around the World by Vashti Harrison When we call someone a visionary, it's usually to suggest that they are some type of genius. We celebrate these people as the best of the best. We look to them as leaders, as beacons of inspiration and something to aspire to. But getting to that level of success takes a lot of hard work. It can take years of being misunderstood. Sometimes others just can't see the vision that these people are working towards. Some of them are called crazy, others dreamers. Zaha Hadid spent years without her buildings being approved for construction because people didn't understand her designs. Esther Afua Aklu was mocked for selling her homemade goods on the street. Aiko Ishioka was told the design world was not a place for girls. But each of them had a vision for her future, and she didn't let anything get in the way. The women in this book looked at things differently. They saw things that no one else did. They asked questions no one else was asking. And they chose to do something about it. It often took a long time for others to understand them or value their efforts. Many were simply ahead of their time, laying the groundwork for others. Some of them are still ahead of their time, but hopefully they will one day be recognised for their vision. Through their curiosity and creative thinking, these ordinary women accomplished extraordinary things. Thanks to their persistence and willingness to make mistakes, they had a lasting impact on their fields of study, and some of them even changed the world. I knew I wanted to fill this book with the stories of creative people, but I also wanted to challenge the idea of what creativity can be. It's a term commonly associated with artists rather than scientists, but both professions require critical thinking and inventiveness. I wanted to see the stories of all these people in the same place, because when their efforts cross over, amazing things can happen. Sometimes art can be incredibly technical, as in the work of Monisha Rudi Farman Farmarian, and sometimes science can require a lot of imagination, as with Blessy Blunt Griffin, a nurse turned inventor. When I was young, I thought of the arts and scientists as completely different worlds. I knew I liked to draw, and that I was good at maths. But never once did I believe the two could be used together. It didn't occur to me that drawing skills can be used in engineering, architecture and beyond. 
It wasn't until many years later I realised I never needed to put myself into one box. What would have happened if I could have brought the two together sooner? Ada Lovelace would probably say it could lead to something incredible. Ada believed in something she called poetical science. She suggested that if you separated art and science, you could never fully understand the essence of an idea. She didn't let her passions for art and science divide her. Instead, she came to understand that there was value in using both at the same time. When you look at the world with many points of view, it can lead to real innovation and create true potential for the future. I hope these biographies inspire you to create, invent, imagine, to try new things, to make mistakes, to ask questions. In these pages, you'll learn about painters and printmakers, dancers and writers, microbiologists and chemists. The little leaders are here to guide you on this journey around the world through time and space. Let them inspire your future. Fatima al-Fahiri, 9th century, educational philanthropist, from Tunisia and Morocco. Not much is known about Fatima's life. She lived more than a thousand years ago. It was rare back then for a woman's story to be recorded, but Fatima left behind something pretty remarkable, so she will not be forgotten. One of two daughters of a wealthy merchant, Fatima was both educated and devout. When she was a child, her family migrated from Al-Qairoan in modern-day Tunisia to Fes in what is now Morocco. They were part of a large influx of people who brought a lot of business and culture to the city. But the majority of the new population was of Muslim faith and there weren't enough mosques for everyone. Mosques are religious houses of worship that also serve as places for the community to gather. When Fatima's father passed away, he left her and her sister a large inheritance. Both sisters wanted to use the money to help their community. Fatima decided to use her part to build the biggest mosque in North Africa. She envisioned it not only as a faith centre, but also a madrasa, a place of study. Fatima was interested in architecture and oversaw the whole construction of the building. Named for the city of her birth, al Kairaouin opened in 859. Over the next few decades, the curriculum grew to include the natural sciences as well as religion, making it the first degree-granting institution in the world and a model for future universities. Its impact carried far beyond Morocco, as it attracted scholars from all over, 
such as the scientific scholar Gebert of Aurillac. He later became Pope Sylvester II, known for introducing Arabic minerals to medieval Europe. In 1963, Al-Karayouin became an official state university in Morocco. In fact, it is the oldest operating university in the world. Long after she passed away, Fatima's vision lives on as scholars and the faithful continue to be educated there today. Wang Zhen Yi, 1768-1797, astronomer, poet, mathematician, from China. Born into a family of scholars during the Qing dynasty, Zhen Yi was fortunate to receive an education, rare for a girl in her time. Her grandfather had an extensive collection of books, something that was even rarer, since the emperor was strict about what was acceptable literature. She learned everything, from astronomy and maths to poetry. She didn't spend all her time indoors, though. She learned archery and equestrian arts as well. Most of what we know about Yi comes from her writings. She left behind 12 volumes of poems and many academic papers. She used her poetry to describe and critique the world around her. She often wrote about inequality between men and women, as well as other social injustices. If the emperor was strict about the books people could have, imagine how brave Zhen Yi had to be to openly criticise him in her poetry. Zhen Yi especially loved the stars and published several volumes of maths and astronomy for beginners. In her day, many of the phenomena in the sky were commonly considered supernatural. She was confident there was a logical explanation for cosmic events, and she proved it by explaining eclipses, using a table as Earth, a lamp as the Sun, and a mirror as the Moon. She demonstrated that when the three bodies line up, either the moon blocks our view of the sun, or earth blocks the sun's light from reaching the moon, thus forming an eclipse. Above all, she wanted to share her knowledge with people, so before she passed away she made sure all her poems and academic papers would be kept safe. Many were published after her death. Zhen Yi made a life for herself that was not constricted by rules of what a woman could or could not be. She saw a world with limitless possibilities for girls and a potential for anyone to have the freedom to study whatever they want. Ada Lovelace, 1815-1852, computer programmer from England. What happens when imagination, 
and technology collide. Well, Ada herself was a physical embodiment of such a collision. Her father was the poet Lord Byron, and her mother, Anne Isabel Milbank, loved maths. Perhaps the combination of her parents' sensibilities was what made Ada so special. Her unique view of the world meant that she didn't just dream of being a fairy, she also knew she'd need to devise a way to fly. Ada grew up during the Industrial Revolution, a time when scientists and artists gathered to discuss new inventions and creations. At one such meeting, Ada saw the mathematician Charles Babbage demonstrate a mechanical adding machine. Ada asked Charles to mentor her, but he turned her down at first. He was working on something new, the analytical engine, inspired by mechanical looms used in the textile industry. To prove herself to him, Ada translated an Italian article about his new machine into English. She added her own notes, making her translation nearly three times as long as the original article. She understood that the analytical engine could be programmed to do limitless tasks and described a formula for programming it to calculate a mathematical sequence of numbers known as the Bernoulli numbers. Ada had a vision for a general-purpose computer a century before anyone would build one. Although Ada and Charles finally worked together, they never built the analytical engine. Ada's contributions went unappreciated until the 1950s when her translation of the article was discovered. Her work on the Bernoulli numbers is considered the first ever computer program and made Ada the first computer programmer. Ada believed firmly in what she called poetical science the synthesis of creativity and technology, and that human imagination could be combined with technology to kickstart the future. Little Leaders, Visionary Women Around the World by Vashti Harrison